Yes, indeed it is. And good Sunday morning to you. Good morning, Dr. Hilden. Good morning, Denny. Here we are back at our usual time. Yes, indeed. It gives uh, folks to maybe grab an extra cup of coffee and uh, and get their questions ready uh, for the show today. Yes, we're going to be talking, and I'm going to let uh, Dr. Hilden fill in the blanks here, but I guess we're going to be talking about COVID testing itself. Boy, that's been in the news a lot lately. Hasn't it, though? It seems to be a uh... We're all becoming, well, not experts, but we're all becoming a little bit more knowledgeable about testing and the molecular test and what is an antibody test and, and you know, how come we can't do more and when can we do more and when can I get my test? So we are indeed going to talk um, this hour about the testing, but I have, I'm not going to do that all by myself. Today I have asked um, a simply uh, one of the nation's experts who happens to work right in my facility. His name is Dr. Glenn Hansen. He'll be joining us shortly by phone, but I'm going to just tell you a little bit about what to expect today. Dr. Hansen, first of all, is the director of our clinical microbiology and molecular diagnostics um, uh, lab at Hennepin. And I'm going to let him tell you a lot more about what all that means. But a little bit on, on who, uh, who Glenn is. He is a microbiologist. He does uh, molecular and micro, medical microbiology. He's a Canadian, and I'll let him, I'll let him, I'll ask him about that. But he graduated with honors from the University of Saskatchewan in Canada. He earned two bachelor's degrees at once because, you know, I think they were given and buy one, get one free in Saskatchewan. He has both a microbiology and an immunology degree. So he is, um, that was his undergrad work, but then he went on to earn a, a PhD in clinical microbiology. So he is indeed Dr. Glenn Hansen. He's done a bunch of postdoctoral education, including a fellowship in uh, molecular diagnostics. He's done uh, public health lab microbiology, and he runs our lab in, my, in microbiology and diagnostics at Hennepin Healthcare. Uh, Glenn, are you on the phone with us this morning? If so, welcome. I am. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to have you on, Glenn. And here we are all at our remote location, so we're not uh, chatting face-to-face, but uh before we take listener calls a little bit later in the show, if you don't mind, I'd love to chat with you a little bit, Glenn, about the state of testing and, and, and uh, so our listeners can know what's going on in Minnesota. Could you start us off by just giving us a little basics on what molecular testing is, that's the testing to diagnose the illness, and what's the state of affairs both at Hennepin, where we work, and statewide, what's, what's going on with molecular testing? Absolutely. So thank you, gentlemen, for the invitation to join you this morning. I'm often asked, what kind of doctor are you? Do you see patients? What kind of patients do you see? And the short answer is is that you're all our patients. Uh, everybody who needs a test is our patient. So I'm thrilled to be here today to represent the nearly over 100 people that make up our laboratory at Hennepin Healthcare. Um, molecular testing has been the primary test that has been introduced for detection of, of COVID-19, and it's the it's the test we use to identify whether or not people actually have the virus. Very simply, the molecular test is a multifaceted system that is relying on a whole bunch of different moving parts, uh, from those people that are asked to collect the specimen to those individuals who then hand that specimen in the lab, uh, log it into the computers, uh, and even some of those individuals who hand-deliver those specimens uh, to the people that actually do the testing. Uh, so it's important for the listeners to know that it is a multifaceted group of people that allow testing to happen, and these individuals handle hundreds of potentially infected specimens every day. 
Once they give those specimens to our molecular lab, it's really a two-part process. We first take those specimens and we prepare those specimens uh, by trying to limit um, the amount of interfering substances in those specimens. So as you've seen on TV and you've read in the paper, um, some of these specimens are collected through a deep nasal canal, and we prep those specimens to make sure that they're appropriate for testing. Very simply, the testing is done in two parts. The first part is to pull the gene sequences out of the sample and look to see if there are viral gene sequences present. The second part of the test then examines those gene sequences to tell whether or not those gene sequences are representative of COVID-19. And that's how you get your test. Uh, it's important to know that there's lots of different technologies now being used for these tests, but many of these tests that are done on 50, 100, 200 patients a day are not necessarily rapid tests. Uh, the first part of the test takes us anywhere from an hour and a half to four hours to pull the gene sequences out. And typically, we amplify those gene sequences with a test that requires another hour and a half to two hours. So it's a lot of concerted work by a lot of talented individuals to look for COVID-19 in hospital settings. So, Glenn, you are literally looking for the genetic material of the virus that you that the collector got from a swab in the back of the nose, the throat? Is that what you're doing? That's correct. We're literally looking for the genetic code of the virus. So that sounds like that would be a fairly reliable test. Yep, there's, there's lots of discussions, and I hope we'll get lots of questions today about how good are these tests and, and their different forms. Um, but the molecular testing done with a test that some uh, listeners may have heard, it's a three-letter acronym that we call PCR, and that test is the most sensitive, the most accurate test that we have available for detection of COVID-19. So the governor this past week, along with a... Uh, at a press conference, now announced sort of what he called a moonshot. He wants Minnesota to be sort of the leader, you know, as was encouraged at the national government. They said, okay, state, you're on, do this. And so Governor Walls and a bunch, a uh, number of partners decided to just do 20,000 tests a day. I happen to be aware that you at your lab at Hennepin started testing for our patients some time ago now, and it has been one of the greatest services for our patients at HCMC, otherwise known as Hennepin Healthcare, we've been getting rapid turnaround from your lab now for some time, and we're one of the first hospitals in the state to do that. How are you participating in ramping up the number of tests that we can do in the state of Minnesota, along with the other partners in the state who are doing it? What's the plan going forward to get even more tests? Right, right. So thank you for that acknowledgement, Dr. Hilden. That's correct. Uh, Hennepin Healthcare was among the first hospitals in the state to offer testing. Uh, we were offering testing uh, in late March um, and, and were one of the largest uh, laboratories at that time offering testing. Uh, through some strategic decisions at the hospital, as well as the leadership of our hospital, we were able to secure a large number of tests. Uh, Hennepin Healthcare and our molecular lab has access to over 200,000 tests uh, available to test patients uh, between a couple hundred patients a day all the way to a thousand patients a day. So we have been right in the thick of things uh, with our testing from the start. Um, the governor's announcement this week lends additional muscle 
with our friends from the university and Mayo to try to ramp up and collectively collaborate on all those hospital systems that can pool their tests and make their tests run even higher uh, levels of testing than what we've been able to do before. And this is really crucial. I think that there's a lot of factors, public health factors, that go in to helping to identify uh, and control the outbreak. Um, but testing is simply how we know. It's that simple. Testing simply tells us how we know. So the ability for us to test large numbers of people um, puts Minnesota uh, right at the top of the country for where we're going to have access to be able to do testing. And we've rolled out testing in a number of different phases. So I know that there's a lot of questions about, I hear on the news that we don't have enough testing. And that's true to some degree. What we've been doing as a state is trying to make sure that we protect the testing that we have and use it judiciously because we recognize that these are valuable tests. So just this week, Hennepin Healthcare has rolled out their plan to be able to test anybody that is sick, that is sick with symptoms potentially attributed to COVID-19. So in the past, if we were feeling ill, we would call into our hospital. A doctor like such as Dr. Hilden would, would talk with you over the phone and say, what are your symptoms? And if we felt that you didn't need to be hospitalized, we would say, go back and, and wait out 14 days. 14 days seems to be the time period over whether or not we can accurately say that if you were infected, you potentially are over. And if you're feeling sick within that 14 days, please come to the hospital. But those groups of people now are groups that are going to have access to testing. In addition to that, we'll be able to test those individuals with contacts with those people that we know are ill. So perhaps that's one of you or one of the listeners out there whose parents or potentially roommate is infected with COVID-19. We're really trying to target you now as well going forward. And then the third group that Hennepin Healthcare is actively involved in are those groups in which social distancing is a luxury. And there are many groups out there that social distancing cannot happen. It is a luxury to be able to social distance. Those individuals um, who, who potentially may be homeless, uh, those individuals in congregate care settings, uh, which basically is just a term meaning that all these people will come together in close contact. Um, those people uh, of racial and ethnic backgrounds uh, who may be socially or disproportionately challenged are also going to be looked at through Hennepin Healthcare Service uh, of trying to get testing out to the community. And we're very proud to be able to be uh, part of this group that offers that testing. All right, very good, Dr. Hilden and uh, Dr. Hansen. Hang on, we'll take a, a quick break. Inviting our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have a question, call it in or text it in. Same numbers, 651-989-9226. 46 degrees in the Twin Cities. Chance of rain later. We'll have more here on Healthy Matters on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're talking about COVID-19 testing this morning. And uh, Dr. Hilden, we've got, I know you mentioned on every show, uh, the websites, a couple of uh, points to, to bring to our listeners before we get back to the conversation. I'd love to do that. Good morning, listeners. If you're just joining us, we are going to get back to our conversation with Dr. Glenn Hansen, who is the director of our microbiology and uh, Diagnostic Lab at Hennepin Healthcare. We're talking about testing today for COVID. A couple of uh, housekeeping type of things that always get me um, uh, rather um, hopeful for the future whenever I get to talk about stuff like this. 
So many of you have been donating masks and the like, and they are being put to good use. Those homemade masks you are all making and donating, we give them to patients. We give them to um, who who are in the hospital hallways. We give them to staff to wear when they're not with the patient. And in so doing, we are conserving the surgical masks and the higher-grade medical masks for people who are directly caring for the dozens of people in the hospital who have COVID. If you want to donate more masks, maybe you're good with a needle and thread and a sewer, not like me, but we even have a pattern for how to make them on hennepinhealthcare.org. If you just go to our website, hennepinhealthcare.org, scroll down a little bit and there's a button about making masks, how to do it, where to drop them off. We could use as many as you want to make. Um, so hennepinhealthcare.org. I also want to announce um, that um, at that same site, you can donate money. You can learn more about COVID-19. You can set up yourself for an electronic visit. You can do all kinds of stuff at hennepinhealthcare.org. That's the first site. Secondly, we are now offering free mail delivery of medications from our pharmacy. Um, you can learn more about that. You don't have to be a patient of Hennepin Healthcare. You can simply get your medications delivered to your home from our pharmacy for free. We can take a transfer from your pharmacy, or if you're a patient of ours, we can just get it right from our system. So go to hennepinhealthcare.org to learn more about that. And then lastly, my blog site is up and running. I'm doing sort of a little diary from a doctor. That's um, uh, the blog site associated with this show at myhealthymatters.org. Click on that today, myhealthymatters.org. Okay, back to Dr. Glenn Hansen. And, Denny, I believe we might have some listeners who have some things to say. Yes, indeed, we have. In fact, there is an open line if you want to ask your question via phone. Same number for the phone or text, 651-989-9226. We have a bunch of text messages and maybe before we get backed up, we can pick out a few before we uh, go to the phones. Here's one uh, for you and Dr. Hansen. Can hair or perspiration harbor COVID-19? Well, I don't know. I don't know if, Glenn, if you know that, but we know a few places where, the, where it can be. It's certainly in your respiratory secretions, the droplets from your nose and your mouth. Um, it is... Uh, known to be um, found in your stool. So when you use the toilet, it is known to be found in there. But the main way we get it is through droplets. And I suppose it can land on your hair um, and on your skin. And we know it can. Um, it's not the main way that you get uh, that you get the infection, though. All right. Uh, here's another one that says, my husband and I are planning to donate our bodies to the University of Minnesota and uh, donate our organs. Would they be accepted if we pass away uh, from uh, COVID-19? Well, that, that's a very interesting question. And the pathophysiology, the pathogenesis of the virus are, is still being looked at as we go forward. I, I, I can tell you with certainty that those organs will be screened. Uh, what we're finding is that the virus um, makes use of what we call an angiotensin converting enzyme. Uh, that's a big, powerful word that uh, we try to acronize as ACE. Uh, but this enzyme is attached to our outer cell surface membranes. And we know that this enzyme allows entry into things like the lungs, the heart, the kidneys, the intestines. So as we continue to learn more about the virus, um, those individuals that potentially would donate during this time will be screened and thoroughly looked at to make sure that those organ systems are, are not containing the virus. 
651-989-9226, our phone number and our text number, same number. Speaking of the phones, let's grab a phone call. I believe Catherine's calling in from Blaine. Catherine, you're on CCO. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate this. Um, my Okay, so this is the situation. Uh, my daughter works at a place, uh, and all the people at her business have had the COVID-19, although the tests were not available at that time. But the symptoms, and, I mean, she couldn't hardly breathe. Um, my question is, companies that possibly could, you know, have had this kind of disease. And um, is there any plans that you know of for uh, blood mobiles coming or something like that to take that sample and see if there's antibodies? Because, I mean, for people to go to places and have this test, it takes time, and there's a lot of people that don't have the time to do it. So to increase that capability of doing that, is there any plans for that? So, Glenn, I'll start um, responding to Catherine's uh, outstanding question um, uh, about antibody testing. We only have a couple minutes before the break. So, Dr. Hansen, could you give us the brief summary of what is antibody testing? And then perhaps after the break, we can get in more about how we're going to roll that out. Sure. So, Catherine, think of antibody testing as like a calling card that your body leaves after you've been exposed uh, to an infection, in this case, the virus. So antibody testing, uh, which hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about a little bit more on the show here, um, is a mechanism for exactly what you're talking about. Uh, there are limitations to it, um, but it is also part of the governor's plan um, with these 20,000 tests a day uh, kind of mandate that you're hearing to try to roll out antibody testing uh, to get a sense of, of community prevalence and those people that, that might have been exposed to the virus. So the short answer is yes. So it, and the antibody testing is different from the molecular testing, is it not, Glenn? And the first the antibody is a blood test, and the molecular testing is a nasopharyngeal swab. We are indeed going to talk about all of that after the break. We're, so stay tuned, Catherine, for much more and other listeners about what is antibody testing and where that fits into the grand scheme of what we're going to be doing in the next few months. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to Dr. Glenn Hansen. He is the medical director of a molecular diagnostics and microbiology lab at Hennepin Healthcare. We're talking about testing for COVID-19, and uh, we will take more of your calls and texts after the break. Again, I want to alert you, go to our website, hennepinhealthcare.org, for more information about donations, about masks, and, of course, go to myhealthymatters.org to read my diary. Very good. We have another half hour of the show to go. If you miss getting your question answered the first half hour, call it in or text it in 651-989-9226. We'll have a look at that forecast coming up here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of uh, Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden has a special guest. And maybe for those uh, folks joining us a little bit late, Dr. Hilden, uh, who did you bring with you today? On the phone with us today from our separate remote locations, but joining us together is Dr. Glenn Hansen, who is the director of our clinical microbiology and molecular diagnostics lab. <laughs> I got tongue-tied there. That's easy for me to say, huh? Um, at Hennepin Healthcare. He is leading our efforts um, along with his colleagues at Hennepin to offer testing um, for COVID. And, and as we said earlier in the show, Hennepin was one of the first hospitals in the state. I remember to offer testing way back in March. And I recall 
where some of my colleagues from other places and other hospitals around the country were saying, wow, I'm waiting five to seven days for my testing. And I said, well, we used to wait five or seven days, but we don't anymore because Dr. Hansen and his team were able to get testing available to us um, within hours. And so uh, we're um, at state-of-the-art down in Hennepin, something I'm very proud of, and that's a shout-out to Dr. Hansen. Glenn, we were talking before the break about um, with Catherine's call about antibody testing. Could you tell us a little bit more about um, that? You said it's a calling card for whether you've had it. How does that fit into our strategy, antibody testing? Sure. So an antibody is a structure that is produced by the body's immune system. And for those individuals that have been exposed to a virus, say COVID-19, um, and then become refreshed from that and, and are able to fight off that virus, they're going to leave behind a specific antibody. Um, and we can measure that antibody in blood samples sent to the lab to understand two things of whether or not people are, first of all, have been exposed to the virus and whether or not that exposure could leave them at less risk for reacquiring the virus. Um, this term that you hear on the news, immunity and so forth. Uh, there's lots of challenges um, and things that we still don't know about antibody. But to Catherine's uh, call-in question, um, a lot of people are wondering. I, I was really sick in, in January. Um, is there a chance that I can get tested? Um, I think I might have had it. I, I work in a high-risk area taking care of kids. Is there a chance I could get a test to be able to see whether or not I've had the virus? Uh, and that's what we're attempting to do with antibody testing, is to look at the immune system to see if the immune system can tell us whether those individuals have been exposed to the virus and have been able to successfully fight it off. Catherine mentioned uh, that, you know, would, would we be doing community testing of this? Is this the kind of testing that could be done all over the place? She even mentioned, like, uh, her daughter's employer. Is this where, where a test where you'll have to go to a central place, or will, will antibody testing be available at clinics and around the state of Minnesota? So the answer is yes and yes. Um, we've got a fantastic group of laboratorians at Hennepin Healthcare, uh, colleagues that we work with every day that uh, um, some of those individuals are leading the charge on antibody testing, and we're looking at antibody testing at our institution as well. Um, I think that the uh, state's plan, in fact, I know that the state's plan with the State Department of Health and with Mayo and with the university is to ramp up the ability to gain access to antibody testing, um, particularly across populations. Uh, and if you look at this test as a test that can give us information of where the virus is, how prevalent it is, and where it's going. It's much more useful to look at this test as a population as a whole rather than one person at a time. Here's our phone number, 651-989-9226. And doctors, we have uh, both the phone calls and a lot of text messages as well. Tell you what, let's do this. Uh, let's go uh, back to the phones. I believe Mark is waiting there in Shoreview to ask a question. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you for waiting. Yes, good morning. Uh, my mother, who is 99, is in a nursing care, uh, a nursing home, uh, which is small. It has about 20 residents. And one of the residents and one staff person have been diagnosed with the, uh, the virus. Uh, it seems to us that it would be very, very beneficial for the staff, at least, to be tested uh, to be sure, see if there are any asymptomatic uh, staff people. Um, two questions. One, uh, how easy should it be for that facility to get that done? And two, um, are staff people obliged to, to, be, to take the test? 
Those are great questions, Mark. Glenn, do you want to take them? For sure. So thank you for your question. Um, uh, I can hear the, the concern in your voice, and it's valid concern. Um, understand that this is now what the State Department of Health is really targeting. We know that the virus disproportionately affects those individuals that, you know, above ages of 65, particularly those individuals in long-term care facilities. Um, and the State Department of Health has made it a priority, in fact, to go after these individuals and these sites and these areas uh, to be able to make sure that we can wrap a bubble around all of these people that might be high risk uh, for acquiring coronavirus and more specifically if they do for for poor outcomes. So these are areas that are actively being targeted by MDH. Data is filtering in every day, uh, in fact, hourly to MDH about scenes like this. Um, And MDH has taken it as an initiative on their part to be able to go out to the community to make sure that long-term care facilities and congregate living situations are being tested. 651-989-9226 651-989-9226 if you want to fill it with the phone call. Uh, doctors, again, we have a, a lot of text messages. Let's grab a couple here. Uh, here's one that says, why isn't the daily new inpatient hospital admissions number of COVID-19 being reported to us, or isn't that number really important? Well, I can maybe say a little about that. It is being reported. Uh, one of the things that I've, I've often said, and it's becoming crystal clear, in this environment is that the state of Minnesota has a public health infrastructure in addition to a, a, a clinical infrastructure that is unparalleled in the world. And if you go to the Minnesota Department of Health site, you get all the data. There's a dashboard for the public. There's more uh, in-depth charts and graphs, including the number of tests we've done, the number of deaths, the number of people who have been hospitalized, the number of people who are no longer hospitalized in, our, in the recovery phase. And importantly, I think extremely importantly, it breaks it down by not only county of residence, that means we can find out how people in Nobles County are doing, and in Beltrami County, we can find out all of Minnesota, how the testing is going, but also by race and ethnicity, which is exceptionally important because one of the things that most worries me about this whole thing is that people of color, uh, um, lower income people, people uh, experiencing homelessness, they are going to experience this worse because that's what's happened in all the other hotspot cities across the country. And so if that's all available at the Minnesota Department of Health. We ought to be proud about that. All right, very good. Uh, here's a text that uh, says, should I be going to the chiropractor when no one wears a mask? I don't know about their disinfecting or lack of either. That's a good one as well. Um, we're slowly starting to ramp up getting people back into their um, their medical care because uh, because uh, not all not all medical care is emergent but not all of it is elective that can wait forever so there's this big group of people in the middle who have um urgent or at least necessary medical care that they haven't been able to do yet and so we are developing plans for getting people back into all of these kinds of things that are um important but not emergent Clearly, if you have an emergency problem, you go in. I, I should emphasize that again. If you're having chest pain or you can't breathe or you have diabetic complications or you hurt yourself, our emergency departments and doctors and clinics are still there for you right now. You can go in right now. But if you have something that can wait a little bit, we've been holding off for a few weeks, rightfully so. And, but, but over the next few weeks and certainly in the month of May and, and going into the summer, we're going to be ramping up so that you can get back in for things like the like the texter said. 
All right, tell you what, before we break, let's uh, go back to the phones. I believe Bruce is waiting there in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Oh, Bruce is gone. All right, well, I'll tell you what. We have a lot of text messages. If COVID-19 is a brand new virus, Texter says, how is a virus never seen before first identified? Yeah, Ryan, can you answer that? Absolutely. That's a great question. And it's, it's an example of just how far our technologies in medicine have gone. When the original symptoms in Wuhan of, of reports of patients with this really strange respiratory illness where all other testing failed to identify an agent uh, that could be attributed to their illness, the virus was subsequently grown in culture. Um, and we've done this for years. I've, I've grown hundreds of cultures of, of non-COVID-19, but hundreds of cultures of coronavirus in my time. Once you have that virus grown in cultures, we can take these tools called genetic sequencing and sequence the entire strain of the virus so that we get the entire code. And in fact, the ability for us to generate the sequence code of the virus from the growing cultures are what allowed us to be able to design the molecular tests that we now use. Because we have the code, we can develop a key to that code and develop tests that will allow us to identify that. So the virus was identified by a combination of traditional microbiology techniques of growing the virus and then sequencing the virus once we grew it. Holy cow, Glenn. I what I sat through the microbiology classes in medical school, and I passed, at least I think I did, but I am absolutely in awe of lab people such as yourself who were able to do this on a virus that, that didn't exist, or at least not known to us, just months ago. Um, you brought up another interesting thing about some testing and about the, the virus and the like that I'm going to ask you um, after we come out of the break. Um, I do want to remind, um, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back to Dr. Glenn Hansen for your questions and texts. Um, I want to remind people, go to HennepinHealthCare.org for all the latest information about how you make masks, how you can donate to our Hennepin Heroes Fund. Uh, um, that's all at HennepinHealthCare.org. You can even learn about our mail order pharmacy, so you don't have to go out. You can have your medications delivered to your home for free. Um, HennepinHealthCare.org. Very good. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. If you want to call in your question, 651-989-9226. Healthy Matters returns in just a moment here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Temperature reading here in the Twin Cities with rain on the way, 46. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. We have a lot of questions uh, by phone and by text here on this Sunday morning. Before we get back to them, uh, though, Dr. Hilden wanted to mention something. I do. I've got Dr. Glenn Hansen on the phone here, and he's helping us out from the perspective of a lab professional. And I just wanted to give a shout out. Um, we are hearing about heroes all over the place, about healthcare workers and nurses and doctors and firefighters and police officers and grocery store workers. I want to give a shout out to the people working in our labs. I was watching the TV last night and saw a lab researcher on the national news, and I said to my wife, that's the person that we are counting on. We are counting on our lab professionals. They are working so hard. They are the ones that are going to get us through this testing. So just a big shout out to Dr. Hansen and his team at Hennepin Healthcare. They are true heroes in this whole regard as well. And on that note, Glenn, how is your lab group doing? What do you want Minnesotans to know about what your lab is doing and what needs you might have? Well, thank you, Dr. Hilden. I'll, I'll reiterate that as well, that for the listeners out there, there 
Obviously, Hennepin Healthcare has their lab, but there are hundreds of laboratory workers across the state who are handling these infectious specimens every day as part of frontline staff. So the first thing I want listeners to know about what the lab, what you can do for the lab is when you know these people, uh, talk to them, um, you know, give them a socially distant appropriate uh, hug <laughs> as well as you can. Uh, these people are working tremendous hours. Our lab is testing up to uh, 1230, 130 in the morning uh, to try to get results out. Um, so it's a coordinated effort between all aspects of healthcare to kind of look at this. Um, the second thing I would ask is that, that people understand that regardless of politics, this will be solved with science and medicine, and the outbreak will be solved with science and medicine. Uh, people need to understand the facts. Uh, they need to understand what we're trying to do. Um, if an individual, for example, um, the, the time at which somebody is exposed to the virus relative to when they would express symptoms is around five days. If you couple that with the fact that the average person who gets the virus can give it to three other individuals, that means that a person who acquires the virus over the course of a month could spread it to 400 people. Think about that. So testing is essential, and the state is ramping up their testing protocols. Understand what we're trying to do for the communities in Minnesota and for the population in the state. And the second thing, and the last thing regarding testing is understand that the scope in which we're testing for this virus has never been seen before. I have never seen it in my career, the amount of testing needed for this virus. So we are piecing together all of the pieces needed to be able to test for it, including swabs and all the materials needed to be able to collect the specimen in order for us to test it. And Minnesotans should feel reassured that this week with the governor's news, Minnesota is now starting to ramp up their testing to be one of the frontline states to be able to provide system-wide testing to appropriate people uh, as part of the governor's task force. And people should be reassured by that fact. I can't improve on that. Thank you, Glenn. Denny, do we have time to go back to the phones or the texts? Yes. Yes, indeed. Let's do that. See how many callers and texts we can help out this morning. Michael, I believe, is waiting in uh, Blaine. Thank you, Michael. What's your question? Yes, good morning. Um, when you've tested people or tested the people and uh, they might be positive, and if, uh, then if some people have gone in for the plasma donation, have you seen where those of certain blood types are tend to have the virus more so than others? Yeah, so this is a very interesting question. What the, what the caller is referring to is the ability for us to find individuals who have been infected and then recovered and use their blood in a technique that we call convalescent sera to be able to donate that or provide that through transfusion to other people who may be gravely sick uh, in, this, in an attempt to transfer those antibodies, those protective substances to an infected individual. And there are many protocols. One of the country's leading protocols is being done at, the, at, at Mayo, um, but Hennepin is also participating in this. And just last Friday, in fact, there were discussions about this in a patient that potentially could donate or, or we received samples of convalescent serum for patients to be able to look at whether or not antibody uh, transfer would be a therapeutic approach. So this is, this is a highly controversial area. Um, but it clearly is an area that we're looking at as a way to be able to stem off um, really sick viruses in people in hospital. Glenn, does blood type matter? 
Um, blood type does not necessarily matter in terms of the most important variable. What the most important variables are likely to be, which is why it's still controversial, is how high an antibody response do you need in order for it to be protected. And the laboratory is looking at tests to be able to determine what we call a titer which is how strong is your antibody response. Secondarily to that, which is the large controversy regarding both antibody testing in general, as well as giving antibodies to people, are whether or not these antibodies are protective. And this is the term you hear on the news. Are they protective antibodies? Listeners should understand that we can generate antibodies to all different types and all different substances of corona. Uh, of COVID-19, but not all of the antibodies generated are going to turn out to be protective. You know, I know we have a couple of minutes to go before uh, the end of the show, uh, so let, let, let's see if we can't uh, grab a couple of text messages. Apologies to our phone callers. Uh, we are just almost out of time. Uh, thanks, Dr. Hilden, for your information you share on CCO throughout the week. I've read recently that there has been, been an increased rate of deaths in COVID-19 patients with hypertension. Does that include patients, do you think, that are being treated for hypertension but with good control? Yeah, I, um, we're not aware of any specific cor- uh, one-to-one correlation with hypertension and COVID. It's a respiratory disease. So the answer, the short answer to that would be um, yes. Um, we're including all kind of when we put causes of death and the like. We always put contributing factors, but hypertension itself we don't have enough information about the correlation between some of those underlying risk factors and the virus itself. Another text before we uh, leave you today. My wife uh, and I, texter says, had all of the virus symptoms in late February. Where and when can we get the antibody test to see if we had the virus? Glenn? Okay, so great question. Um, The antibody tests are becoming available. There are many hospitals in the metro, including Hennepin Healthcare, that are about to bring on their antibody testing. Uh, the reference labs that Dr. Hilden has talked about on previous calls, such as Mayo and some of the national reference labs, are offering it as well. But there is a, there is a tone of caution with antibody testing, folks. We have to recognize that these tests typically take years to develop and validate, clinically validate, with tens of thousands of patients. And we are doing this now on the order of weeks and months. So people need to be aware that an antibody test is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Here's a simple way to look at it. Say you were running a test that gives a false positive results to a group of 100 people. That doesn't sound too bad. But consider this. If 5% of those 100 people were actually infected with the coronavirus, you would get five correct results and five incorrect results. What's happening at the federal level is the manufacturer can then claim that that test works 95% of the time or 99% of the time. And because of the need for rapid testing uh, options, the Food and Drug Administration does not regulate these tests. And Dr. Deborah Burks, who you've seen on TV, has said that she expects manufacturers to achieve a standard of 90% efficacy in these tests. You know what, doctors, we are out of time. I apologize. We are way out of time. And uh, Dr. Hillen, we'll be back again next week with further talk about COVID-19, right? We'll hear you next week right here on WCCO. Thank you.